And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Last week we talked about God leading us the long way. It was a fun message. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, watch the YouTube video. We had some fun. I don't know about you, but when I turned my GPS on on my phone this week, I thought about the message because I was trying to beat that time. I know we talked about that. Some of you, you admitted that you race the GPS. You try to beat that time. We talked about uh, these things. We said God knows the best way, that sometimes he takes us the long way for our own protection. We talked about how God has a plan that um, not only is it our protection, but it's our preparation, that he forms us in the long way. And then we talked about how God is faithful. He, he follows through on his promises. And the last thing was that he's with us. He's present. He leads us with a cloud and fire in the Exodus story, and he sends his spirit to lead us today. Well, we're going to pick up where that left off. We're going to talk about God leading us and what that means. So God, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. God, that you would have your way, that you would minister to us through your word, and that we'd leave different than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me go ahead and take that off since we're not using it. All right. So, when we think about God taking us the long way, what we talked about last week, we sometimes will assume that, well, okay, he's protecting me, he's preparing me, he's doing these things for me, so it must at least, even though it's longer and I'm not getting to where I want to go, it must at least be easier. God's way must at least be the easier way, right? Well, many of you know what's about to happen in the Exodus story, and God's way is not necessarily the easier way. That is, that, and sometimes it actually looks like it's the harder way. That it leads to challenges. That it might be better, but it doesn't mean it's easier. And so I just want us to be well prepared as people who are following after God and knowing what that means, that sometimes we will still face obstacles. We're about to talk in this story that many of you are familiar with, that, that the Red Sea is parted and they walk right through it. You know, we sing about it. We're like, you part the sea so I can walk right through it. Or, you know, graves into gardens. We're like, you turn seas into highways. And Mike's up here like stomping his foot. And we love it. We get into it. We're like, God, you do the impossible. But we love the miracle. We, we like to avoid the fact that right before the miracle, it is a terrifying situation. That they are trapped that it feels like a dead end. We know that what's interesting is when this story is talked about so much in Scripture, there's 14 other times they reference back to the crossing of the Red Sea. It's this foundational moment for the people of God. And one of those times is in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. You know, they're like, Abraham did this by faith, and Noah did this by faith, and Jacob did this by faith, and everybody's doing things by faith, and it says they crossed the Red Sea by faith, and we can get hyped about it, and we can get excited and be like, God does miracles, and he's going to part your sea, and you're going to walk right through it. But that's only part of the story. Because one of the other times that Scripture talks about this event is in Psalms. And I love when scripture talks about scripture and we can learn a little bit about what is going on beyond the immediate story. And this is what it says in Psalm 106, starting in verse 7. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea. 
Just in case you weren't sure, it even says the Red Sea. They're like, that's the one we're talking about. Verse 8, yet he saved them for his namesake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. They believed his promises and sang his praise. We have the psalmist here giving a little bit of an interpretation of the facts that had already happened. That yes, God delivered them, but before that there was a moment of rebellion. And sometimes when God leads us, if we're honest, we're not always the people who are so full of faith. We have our ups and downs. There's moments where we're ready and we're believing for the miracle. And there's moments where we are terrified. That when God has taken us a different route than we expected, we're taking the long way to the promised land and we're up against it. We just don't know what to do. So the title of today's message, if you are taking notes, which some of you do and some of you don't, which is totally fine, do whatever you want to do. You are four times more likely to remember it if you write it down or type it in your phone. (laughs) The title of today's message is keep it moving or keep it moving, depending on how you want to say it. Keep it moving. So this is an important story. Like I said, it's throughout scripture. Stephen references it. He's the guy who's the first person to die for his faith. He's he's before the Sanhedrin, these religious people, and he's summarizing it as an important part of the church's history. Paul references it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, when they went through the sea, it's like baptism. And if you think about that for a second, what Paul is saying, he's like, there's a before and an after. Baptism represents your old self and your new self. He says, for Israel, the people of God, this was the identity change moment. That they were on one side as slaves running away and they came out on the other side as the people of God. That this is a a transitional moment for them. It's significant. God rescues them and throughout the story you see over and over that God will get glory through it. That he will get glory. But the, the hard part about that is oftentimes when God is receiving glory, it's because he had to save us from a situation we didn't want to be in in the first place. You know, we think, I mean, ultimately following Jesus is an admission that, hey, I need somebody to rescue me. I need a savior. And the people needed a savior. So we love to sing about how God has saved us, but we hate being in situations where we need to be saved. Nobody wants that. But that's the exact situation they find themselves in. What's interesting is God has led them here. God has taken them here. At this point, Pharaoh still thinks maybe they are just doing that three-day thing in the desert they talked about. Maybe they're just going to worship. He's probably got spies out there. In fact, we know that, that they end up telling Pharaoh what's going on, and as soon as they start going, they start going after him, and there's this whole battle that's about to take place, they think, and they're being pursued. But God led them to this. He brought them to this moment. I want to read a little bit from Exodus 14 where we are. This is what it says. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Pharaoh's going to be like, they're lost. They're confused. They don't know what they're doing. They've been in Egypt for 400 years. They got lost out there. They're not taking the shortcut. They're out there. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is the Lord talking. And he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. And what I wrote down is that sometimes it feels like a dead end. 
When you're following God, you're being led by his spirit, his presence, he's speaking to you, he's giving you GPS directions, the best you can discern and and tell, and you're talking to your community, the people of wisdom in your life, and you're like, I feel like I'm following God, but I feel like it's taking forever, and I feel like I've hit a dead end. This isn't what I expected. At this point, if you're looking at the map, we don't have the map this week, but if you're here last week, you know there's like those two different seas that form the Sinai Peninsula. They're up against the sea. They're, they're pretty much trapped. It's like a perfect situation to get captured. And sometimes it feels like that. It feels like, God, I've been trying to follow you, and now I feel like there's no way out. That I'm in a situation that I can't do anything about. So in verse 5, it says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? Why did we let them go? We have let the Israelites go, and we've lost their services. We just lost a ton of our workforce. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of of Egypt, with officers over all of them. So this is like, Josephus thinks this is over 200,000 chariots. More than that in the total Egyptian army that's following them. It's a lot of people. It's a ton of people pursuing them. It's like everybody who is qualified, Pharaoh's like, let's go. I changed my mind. We're going to go get them. And so they start coming. And I, I thought this is every time we follow God, it makes the enemy upset. We have an enemy of our soul, Satan, the devil. He has many names, the liar, all of these things throughout scripture. And when we do what God asks us to do, that doesn't make him happy. And so sometimes we get really surprised when we're like, God, all I'm doing is what you asked me to do, and things got harder. But we shouldn't be surprised. Abigail always calls it predictable resistance. We have another pastor who says, if you don't run into the devil once in a while, maybe you're walking in the same direction. That was good, right? That was good. And so we should expect that as we're doing what God has called us to do, we're going to face some opposition. And so Pharaoh heads out after him. They've been living for 400 years in Egypt, working. Pharaohs have changed. Initially, they were looked on with favor, and over time, it became unfavorable. They were treated terribly. They were, we've talked about it in the early chapters of, of Genesis, but they aren't just leaving Egypt. They're leaving generations of what has been known. They're leaving their, their main source of income, the only way they've been provided for. They're leaving generational problems. They're leaving, but their past is following them. We've talked about how Passover, this moment, the 10th plague, and what God does and how he skips over the houses with the blood represents our salvation, that when Jesus died for us, we're passed over. This This is like that, in that you might be saved, but you might not be free. You might have past habits, generational problems, things from your history that have just been following you, that some of them have been dealt with, but by and large, you feel like, hey, I've been saved. I've been passed over. I have a right relationship with God. Eternity in heaven's promised me, but, but I still have all of the same stuff I had before. I haven't experienced freedom 
things your parents, your grandparents have struggled with, following after you, patterns and problems that were passed down. God knew that unless the Egyptians were dealt with, they would constantly be worried, when is that going to catch up with me? They felt prepared. We talked about this last week. They were like dressed and ready for battle, but God's like, you aren't ready. So he took them a different way. But they're about to be in battle right now, or so they think. And I think so often we're just, we're ahead of God. We're like, God, I am ready. And he's like, I know when you're ready. I know you better than you know you. And what happens is, we think we're ready and then we find ourselves in a situation where we're stuck, we're trapped against our own Red Sea, that there's something between us and what God's calling us to and our past is catching up to us and we have these problems we're trying to run from and we freeze. In fact, we freeze and we're like, maybe I should just go back. I was listening to a podcast and it's so, it's the most random podcast. It's one of those ones that I would be like hesitant to recommend because I'm like, it really is silly. It's like, not, it's not bad. It's just like, I don't know what they're talking about, but I like random. And so they spent like 15 minutes talking about how they, they aren't supposed to back up mail trucks. Like mail trucks are never supposed to go backwards. They have it posted inside the truck. I've heard that it's like, do not go backwards. It's one of the main things in the training is like, never back up, only go forward. And I thought this was fascinating And as I'm reading the Exodus story, I'm like, they can't back up. They have to keep moving forward. But our tendency is as soon as things get hard, we just want to go back. Because we want to go back to what's ever comfortable. We actually get delusional. We're like, it was probably fine. Everything was probably fine there. It's probably better that I'd go back. Look at what they said. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians. They see them coming. Multiple hundred thousand of them on chariots with better weapons than they have. Remember, they were slaves. They don't have real weapons. They're coming. They hear the chariots. That many, you probably feel it. You see it. You hear it. You hear the hooves. I would be terrified. I like to think I'm a person of faith, and I am. I have faith, but I would be scared. Let's be real. Those of you who say you're not being scared, hmm, hmm. You're liars. No, I'm just kidding. All right. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Verse 11, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? They're like, I don't know about you, but sometimes your humor gets really weird when you're scared. And they're like, are we just out here to die? Couldn't we have just died in Egypt? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? Which they never said. If you go back, they didn't say that. But I don't know. When you're scared, you just start lying about stuff. They're like, Moses, this is your fault. You brought us out here. You find somebody to blame. You're like, I can't handle this. I'm terrified. We're trapped. They're coming. This is a terrible situation. We should just go back. We should, maybe they'll take us back. And we feel like this. We're following God and we make progress. And then we stop because we run into opposition. But the problem with that is if you stop, if you stop going, you stop growing. And we have way too many people who've known God for years, but they've been at the same place with him that whole time. One-year-old Christians 20 times over, 
But when we, but, but it's natural. We get afraid. We stop. God, that's harder. You know, I kind of hate the phrase that has existed in the church world. It's this idea, they say, new levels, new devils. I don't like it because I think it, it makes us not want to grow, that we have this intimidation about what's next. And, you know, we don't trust that God will provide every step of the way. And it, it minimizes the fact that we're growing as we go. But there's some truth to it. That as you keep following God, the opposition doesn't stop. Oftentimes it increases. I've been following Jesus for a long time and it has gotten better, but it hasn't gotten easier. There's parts that get easier. It's easier for me to trust him because I've built up that repetition. It's like going to the gym. You, you have that endurance. And I'm like, I've, I know what this feels like. It feels harder and heavier this time because it's more than last time, but it's a similar feeling. And I trust him in the middle of it. It gets easier, but it's still hard. There's still opposition along the way. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. And that's when Psalm 106, the one we read at the beginning, pops in my mind. I'm like, this is, this is the rebellion part. We know the faith part. God, you split the sea so we can walk right through it. But this is the rebellion part. The fear. Fear always makes you want to stop. Maybe even turn around. Fear will make you freeze. Faith will ask you to keep going. Faith will ask you to keep going in the middle of it. It's, it's interesting because it's almost like this revisionist history where they're like delusional. And they're like, Moses, you said all this stuff that you didn't say and it's not what I signed up for. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're truly trying to be honest with God and you're like, God, I've, I've been doing my best to follow you and it's still difficult. Not everything has worked out. And I just want to encourage you, it's... It's a long journey of growth. It's hard to have patience as Christians. It's hard to have patience as humans. You know, our kids planted some things this week. We got some cilantro and some other things that they planted. And we planted beans, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a little longer ago. They're a little farther out. They're sprouting. But they're out there all the time just checking on it. And one of them's tempted to just flood it because they're like, maybe more water. It's not a, there's like one little green spot. They're like, more water. We're like, stop watering it. You're going to kill it. The other one's like, maybe it just needs more dirt. And they just add more dirt. And we're like, you can't bury it farther. But we do the same thing. We're like, God, I thought, you know, it'd be hard at first, but shouldn't we be past that now? Shouldn't I be farther than that? Shouldn't we be grown? Shouldn't I have grown past this part? Doesn't it, doesn't it like get easier? And like I said, it gets easier, but it, it doesn't stop having obstacles along the way. Moses has learned his lesson at this point. Because this Moses has had his ups and downs already. He's had his formation, you know. He's been following Jesus, following Yahweh a little bit longer. And the people haven't learned the lesson yet. So he shows up and he does have faith. Because he responds to them when they're freaking out. And he says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians see you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That's faith. That's so much faith. Moses is leading them spiritually. He's saying, guys, stop looking at that. Look at that. He's going to deliver you. 
He's going to get you through. And then it says in verse 14, this is a famous verse, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And I don't know exactly what inspired Moses to choose these words or say these things where he's like, stand firm. God's going to deliver you today. Those people you see, you're never going to see them again. It's like prophetic. And then he's like, he's like, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And that's like mostly true. It's Moses. God hasn't spoken yet in this moment. The people are like, we're scared. And Moses is like, God's got this. And then Moses speaks. And then God speaks. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I hear all of them. They're all terrified. Tell the Israelites to move on. To move on. In the middle of their fear, Moses is like, God's got this. And God's like, keep moving. I didn't say stop. I know you're trapped. I led you here. I brought you this way, the long way, for preparation and protection with my presence, providing all the way because I'm faithful. And he leads them to that place, and they're scared, rightfully so. And Moses is like, don't be afraid. God's going to fight for us. Just be still. And God's like, I will fight for you, but you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving. Keep it moving. If you stay in your feelings, you'll stop moving. Feelings are good friends. They're bad life directions. I know that wasn't very profound, but (laughs) you get the idea. We have to, at some point, choose to keep moving, even when everything inside of us is scared, even when it doesn't feel like the right direction. Tell the Israelites to move on. The miracle happens in the movement. The miracle happens when they start moving forward and and Moses holds out his staff and the sea parts. The miracle doesn't happen right then. It happens when they start moving forward. It's not running away. They're not running from their problems. They're walking by faith. Because running from their problems, they would have just surrendered. They would have been like, just take us back, all right? We messed up. We changed our mind. They would have been, Egypt would have been happy with that. They're like, we changed our mind too. That's why we're chasing you. So they're not just running from their problems. They're walking by faith. And I've never seen the movie Braveheart, which I know Byron's like, what? I need to watch it. Everybody always says that. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it. And then I just forget until moments like this. And I'm like, it's enough in pop culture that I feel like I've seen it. You know, like the, the clips have gone around. And I know that at some point Mel Gibson's face is painted blue and he gives this speech. And I don't, I, like I said, I haven't seen the movie. So if I'm wrong, just pretend I'm right so the, the illustration works. But he's like rallying them and saying, we've got to go and fight for freedom. And I don't know what's happening. But sometimes if you want freedom, you have to be willing to move. You have to be willing to keep going. Verse 16 says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Again, God's repeating, I will gain glory. It shows up multiple times throughout the chapter. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. That wasn't me reading it again. That was the, same ver- the next verse. He says it more than once. I'm going to gain glory through this. 
And oftentimes, God is doing more than one thing at once. He's working on our behalf. He's working on their behalf in this moment, and he's receiving glory. The best thing for them and him is one and the same in this moment, that he would rescue them and deliver them. You can't, you got to be like the mail truck. You can't reverse. You can't stop. You got to keep it moving. God is our rescuer. That verse we read in Hebrews, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. God is our rescuer. He's committed to our freedom. Think about this. If they would have just gone the shorter way, first of all, they would have had to fight the Philistines, which we know they weren't ready for. They would have lost. But even if they would have gone the longer way and then tried to like weave over up over the other sea and get there, the Egyptians would have caught up with them. That as much as they had an exodus from Egypt, they would have never experienced true freedom and what God was calling them to. And God knew this was the way to deliver them, to free them from their past, to free them from the generations of problems. So Moses stretched out his hand, this is verse 21, over the sea. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Some people have a problem with this passage they think, how could this really happen? How did God do this miracle? And they, they come up with all these things of like, well, how did they even get that far? If they have chariots and horses and they were on foot with that many people, it, it works out, trust me. Really quick, brief summary. They're out three days into the wilderness. They've traveled by foot that far. They're pretty far into it. By the time they keep going, the spies would have to head back. They probably, even if they were faster, day and a half, two days. So then they've moved a day and a half, two days farther by the time they even get back to Pharaoh. Then they have to figure out, well, where is my army? Because it's not just Pharaoh's army. It's the, all the Egyptians' army. So he has to get everybody. You know, there's no, like, text messages. They have to, like, rally everybody up and organize before they start going. At this point, they probably have eight to 12 days, depending on which researcher you believe. And so somewhere between a, a week and a half or so, head start. And then also they're like, well, it's so hot. How are they getting that far? They can't travel that much with kids and everybody. It says the pillar led them by day and night. They likely traveled starting in the middle of the night when it's cool through the middle of the morning and then rested when it's the heat of the day. That's the beauty. God knew what he was doing. Is the pillar of cloud and fire day and night they were led. We need to be led by God 24-7. And that's just a quick summary. There's, there's more to it. And then other people are like, well, maybe they crossed on like a shallow part of the Red Sea. Well, everything that's mentioned geographically points to, to not being a shallow part, that God did actually part the sea. And I don't know how in a minute all of them would drown if it was 18 inches of water. That just doesn't make sense. And there's more to that and we can unpack that. But all that to say is like, I believe this actually happened. That God actually did a miracle that he split it. And if it's where we think it was, by the time it was wide enough and long enough for them to cross, taking the whole night, you know, it wasn't quick. It was a lot of people. The walls were probably 300 feet high. Can you imagine that? 
as scary as it would be that there's an army behind you, that you've heard the chariots and the horsemen coming and you're like, we're trapped. It would be pretty scary to walk through a sea. And so they're walking in the middle of their miracle with walls on both sides. And I like to think, you know, church people nowadays, you got all different types, right? You got like, you got the ones who are full of faith and the ones who are less full of faith and different places in their journey. And some would be like, this is so cool. Isn't God so good? And some people would just be like unable to talk and just like barely making it through. But nonetheless, they're then recorded in Hebrews as walking by faith. And I love how gracious God is in that they rebelled and yet he still rescued them. That they were full of fear and he still made a way for them to get out. Going back to the psalm we read in the beginning, that he said he would do it for his name's sake. That, that your good and God's glory often go hand in hand. He said, I will receive glory from this. And he said, and they will know that I am the Lord. Tracing back to when Moses came to Pharaoh the very first time. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Who is this Yahweh? Yahweh the whole time has been answering this question. I am the true God. I make a way when there is no way. I'm over all of your other gods as I showed in the, the plagues and I'm, I'm the all-powerful one rescuing my people. God is our rescuer. Moses stretched out his hand and we were reading this, starting in verse 23. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire in the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. I like, I like this picture of like, I, I was just trying to imagine while I was driving in the car the other day what this would look like, where they're just like, it's not working. And like modern day, like if they were chasing them in a car, it's like they all got flat tires at the same time. Just like, not only is it a miracle that he split the sea, they just stopped the pursuit in the middle of it. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. That's the moment when you're, you're pursuing them, the enemy's pursuing them, and they're like, we made a mistake. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. They even recognize it. The very thing that Moses said God would do, he said, the Lord will fight for us. You need only be still. The Egyptians are now seeing the Lord is fighting for them. And he doesn't only want to save you. He wants to deliver you. He wants you to find freedom from your past, the habits, the hurt, the hangups, the generational problems, the things that have been passed on, the, the things that you wish were no longer part of your family's story. He, he wants to remove those as well. And he's going to receive glory through all of it. My encouragement, when things are hard, don't stop moving. Keep it moving. They, they were afraid. Moses said, don't be afraid. And it's one thing when people tell you don't be afraid, you're like, worry about your own self. You know, I don't know if you ever felt like that. I'm just being real. Like sometimes you're like, take your own tests. Get your, don't look at my answers. You got your own tests to go through. But we're reminded, don't be afraid. And God says, tell them to keep moving. 
If you're not going, you're not growing. That we keep moving, we keep learning more how good God truly is, how he is our rescuer, our deliverer, how we can trust him in hard times, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 106, we read it in the beginning. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They just saw everything. They saw all 10 plagues. They saw frogs everywhere. And they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about the horses. They didn't remember your kindness. They rebelled at the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake to make his mighty power known. The Lord said to Moses back in Exodus 14, Verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea to the waters so they may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that he followed and the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Reading this, commentators and Bible scholars point out, this represents how God wants us to find freedom. How he deals with the things that are plaguing us and pursuing us and chasing after us that he wants us to keep moving and keep growing and, and find freedom and deliverance, to move into the things he's calling us to. This isn't their last battle. This is their, their first of many. But they're learning a crucial principle here, that God is with them. He's faithful. He's a rescuer. When I think about how do we respond to this, besides just remembering to keep moving in hard times, to keep trusting God when it seems like we're up against the wall, our response is fear and obedience. Look at their response at the end of the chapter, the last verse in the chapter. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. When they remembered, this is who he is. Maybe when some of them realized for the first time, this is what he does. They feared the Lord and they trusted him. They obeyed him. They're willing to keep moving. And we know they struggle and have ups and downs, and we're going to get to those in the coming chapters. But in this moment, when they remembered that he is their rescuer, they feared him and trusted him. This is the healthy kind of fear. This isn't the, the fear of, of what is he going to do to us. This is an awe. This is a respect that they're realizing the God we serve is bigger than the problem we face. That the one who's leading us and going before us is more powerful than the one chasing us. To put it in New Testament language, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That he's given us his spirit that when we decide to be followers of Jesus, when we admit, I need rescuing, I've broken God's laws and standards, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus as the only way forward, he puts his spirit inside of us. He adopts us as sons and daughters. He becomes our father. 
And when we're part of God's family, we can trust. We can trust that he's bigger. I don't know exactly how this is going to work out. I don't know what this is going to look like. It's not always a splitting of the sea, but he's always with us. We can trust as he leads. We can have a healthy fear and obedience that he's bigger than whatever we're facing. So I want to close with the encouragement to keep it moving. That there was maybe something that caused you to stop moving forward. That there was an obstacle, something from the enemy or something even orchestrated by God, that God led them there. And I just want to pray for you to have the boldness and the courage to know from God how to keep moving forward in the middle of that thing. God, we ask that you would meet people right where they're at, that they would find freedom from that thing that's coming to their mind. God, whether it's a habit or a hurt or a family generational problem, God, whether it's a mistake they've made or whatever it might be, God, that feels like it's haunting them, it's chasing them. God, would they find freedom in this moment? That where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, that they might not walk in fear, that you have not given them a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Would you give them not just good ideas, but would you give them wisdom? Would you give them clarity to see the situation the way you see it? To see things from heaven's perspective. God, that you would give them next steps and how to move forward and what it looks like to not be paralyzed by fear. God, that we would be people who are going and growing. That we're becoming more like you every step of the way as we trust, as we lean on your faithfulness and provision. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com. We hope you have a great week.